Do you have anything in your life where you say over that thing, as long as I'm alive, we will always do this? Like, it doesn't matter who I marry, what my kids want to do. There are a few things in your life that you're always going to do. Um, and you present those as non-negotiables for my wife, Shauna. One of those things for her always is that she will begin listening to Christmas music every October 25th. It's just one of those things. I've been upstairs watching a football game last night. I came down to my own bedroom. Lights were off, but there was this glowing screen on the bed. And she and one of our kids were watching White Christmas already. And I'm like, come on, whatever. Uh, I actually like it, but I just throw it off on her because she's a little more emphatic. But we have these things in our life that where we just go, hey, as long as I'm alive, we will do this. And I want you to know that here at Epic, we have some of those things as well. Now, I don't know who your pastor will be 30 years from now. But as long as God gives me this privilege and responsibility, we will always do this thing we call the Hope Project. The Hope Project is our annual initiative where we fund each of our strategic partners here in San Francisco, across North America, and throughout the world. Guys, at a time where hope seems to be disappearing, we are going to rise up as a church and collectively say, God, not on our watch. We will not be the kind of people that passively sit by and just watch hope dissipate. We are going to, as best you strengthen us to do so, we're going to step in to what you're up to in our city, in our continent, and throughout the globe, God, to be a part of what you're doing by infusing hope into our strategic partners. Friends, we believe here at Epic that impact is local and it's global. We have had this in our DNA since day one. If you don't know much about our history As a church, we turned seven years old this February. But over the last six years, through the Hope Project, this little new church in the heart of downtown, we have given $680,000 to our partners here and around the world. That seems significant to me. Last year alone, you rose up, blew the staff's mind when we had a goal of $140,000 and you all gave $234,000. Amazing what you have done with generosity in terms of what God's up to in the world. And we get to play our part. And let me tell you, Epic Community, you tend to shine brightest in moments like these. So next Sunday, November 12th, we will unleash this year's version of the Hope Project. And you don't want to miss it as we talk about how God is using this church and is going to use your life and your resources to impact what he's up to around the world. Come next week, whatever you have to do to be here and make sure to bring someone with you. Here's why. Even if your friends are skeptical, don't think much of the church are suspicious about churches like Epic. I don't believe they will find anything to argue. As we say, a hundred percent of everything that comes in will not exist for our own benefit, but for what God's up to in the Tenderloin, what he's up to in Uganda, what he's up to in West coast cities, where we're going to help start new churches, what he's up to in Vietnam as we help raise generations of leaders there. So let's play our part and begin praying now and be here next Sunday. Well, I hope you got extra sleep last night. Anybody? Some of you are wise. Some of you are fools. The wise people just went to bed at their normal time. Foolish people tried to cheat the system. Okay, the foolish people that tried to cheat the system will be here at noon. But nonetheless, we continue to move forward. We are wrapping up what has become a monumental series for us here at Epic. And the reason I want to encourage you, as Lindsay did, to go back and listen to any talks that you missed or to see all of that on our website, uh, it's because of this. Uh, This idea and issue of distraction in our life, it is not going to stop. 
it is not going to slow down. So to have a place where we can go back to and go, God, remind me of what's important. Remind me what it is with my time. Remind me how to use my resources. Remind me what to give my life to. Because there are so many things that will continue to compete for the attention of your heart and your mind. And so as we wrap up that series today, here is our leading question. What is it going to take to make sure we don't miss what matters most in the future? What is it going to take to make sure we don't miss what matters most in the future? In other words, how are we going to have to live? What are we going to have to do to make sure that we get in on the future that God has for us? We started this church so that you might discover who Jesus is, that you might follow Jesus, and that you might step into whatever it is that he has for you. We as a team want this so much for you, but we've been reminded time and time again that we cannot choose this for you. If I can be honest, there are things that I would love to choose for my own children regarding this topic, but I can't even make the choice for them. But I want to talk to you today about why our church exists and what it is for you at this stage in your, in your life, what it's going to take to get in on the future that God has for you. This is what drives our vision here at Epic. If you're new to the scene, uh, the vision of Epic Church is to see an increasing number of people in San Francisco orient their entire lives around Jesus. We believe you are created to do this. We believe that life works best for you and I and us as a collective community when we're in the lane that Jesus is calling us to live into and lean into. And when we're following him, whatever that means for our future. But to get in on the future that God has for us, there is a prerequisite for that. Who hasn't heard the term prerequisite since university days? Like, like, ah, uh, I was going to major in that, but the prerequisites were mm, too much, right? Well, there is a prerequisite for getting in on the future God has for you. And I want you to hone in on a, in a moment and just to listen to what that prerequisite is, because you might think the prerequisite for getting in on God's future, it, it might be that you just need to have a strong desire for a great future. You might believe that that prerequisite is that you just need to believe that God actually has a plan for your life. And maybe the prerequisite you think is just that you need to be attached to a faith community like the one here at Epic. Perhaps it's that you need to understand how has God gifted you and where has he positioned you. Now, if you follow our teachings around here at all, you know that I think all of those are very important. But here is the prerequisite for getting in on the future God has for you. So even if you're checking your fantasy football right now, if you're responding to your mom, telling her you will call her later, or you're just telling your dad you're in church because he promised like a lot of money if you just went to church, I want you to lean in and listen to this. Okay, here's the prerequisite for the future God has for you. Here's how you get in on it. To step into the future that God has for you, you must be willing to walk away from whatever he doesn't have for you. Like Ben, that sounds really elementary. It's really profound to live out. To step into the future that God actually has for you, you must be willing to walk away from whatever he doesn't have for you. Whatever. Whatever friendship that's been in your life for 20 years, but it's hampering you from following him, whatever vocation you thought you would spend the rest of your life doing, whatever habit or addiction you are struggling with, if you do not walk away from it, you will not step into what God has for you. And as you begin to think right now about that thing or those things or that habit or pattern in your life that you know is holding you back, what is it? Some of us in this room we're being held back because we're distracted by something from our past and we can't move into the future that we think God has for us. Others of us in this room, we're actually distracted by something right here in the present time 
that is holding us back from stepping into whatever it is that God has for us. Let me ask you, what is it from your past life or your present life that could be distracting you from stepping into the future God has for you? You'll see that on the screen. What is it from your past life or your present life that could be distracting you from stepping into the future God has for you? Whenever I'm trying to discover something about my own personal life, a growth area, or whenever I'm going to be teaching on a topic when we gather on Sundays like we're doing right now, I ask myself this question. Is there a reoccurring pattern in the scriptures? It's something good for you to know because sometimes what happens is we get bent out of shape when we find this one verse and we build this entire, some people have built entire denominations around it or theological understandings. But when you discover one thing, it's good to ask the question, is there a pattern here? Does scripture teach this over and over and over again? And when it comes to people who stepped into the future God had for them or missed out on the future that God had for them, it comes down to this one thing, their willingness to walk away from something to step into what God had for them. It, can't, it came down to that for those in Scripture, and it will come down to that for me and you. Let's just, let's, let, me, let me just do a quick survey of people from Old Testament and New Testament. When God shows up to a man named Abraham, his name at first is Abram in Genesis chapter 12. And he says to Abram, Abram, I want you to go away from your homeland and move into this new land that I will eventually show you. You're going to be a father to many nations. In case those of you who wondered where did the father Abraham song come from, it's actually from the Bible. And so, but, but you understand this, right? For Abraham to move into the land God was going to show him, he had to be willing to leave and walk away from what was familiar. And then you have this moment where God wants to rescue his people who are enslaved in Egypt. But for them to step towards the promised land, they had to step away from Egypt. One day, Nehemiah is in his position in Persia. He's a Jewish man, but he's now serving as the cupbearer to the king. He drank all the king's wine first to make sure it wouldn't kill the king. And one day, Nehemiah receives this report that his homeland of Jerusalem, his hometown of Jerusalem, it's burned down and it's no longer protected. And he begins to sense that God has given him a passion and a calling to go back home and to do something about it, to step into that for his future. But the only way he could step towards Jerusalem is if he was willing to step away from his cushy job as being the cupbearer to the king in Persia. There's a pattern that shows up again and again and again. But then you get to the New Testament because sometimes they're like, Ben, that's for Old Testament times. We're in the New Testament times. Well, how does it play out in the New Testament? There's this guy who some thought was a teacher. Others thought he was a rabbi. He came as the Messiah. His name was Jesus. And when he shows up on the scene and begins his public ministry around the age of 30, he would just go up to men and women and said, I want you to, I want you to follow me. And they had to follow that pattern as well. I'll give you a couple of occasions. In Luke chapter 5, verse 11, Jesus shows up to some fishermen. Now, if I'm fishing, I would rather do anything besides fishing. Right? Don't judge me. I'm just not patient. Same reason I don't play golf, okay? That's why you and I can just go for a walk and get coffee because I don't have that many hobbies. But when Jesus shows up to these fishermen and tells them to follow him, here's what happens. Luke 5, 11. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. For them to step into the future Jesus had for them, they had to step away from what he didn't have for them. It wasn't just for fishermen, though, who were looking for a new job. Look at what happens with a guy named Levi, or your translation may say Matthew. In Luke 5, 27 and 28, it says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. So friends, I know that you're super special. I know that you are gifted unlike anyone else on planet earth. 
But if the pattern is true throughout all of biblical history, if it's true in my life, it's going to be true in every one of your lives as well. In order to step into the future that God has for you, you must be willing to walk away from whatever he doesn't have for you. One day, Jesus shows up to a woman caught in the act of adultery in John chapter 8. This woman had been caught in the act. If you can just imagine what that shame would feel like. And she's brought before the religious leaders and Jesus is there. And they say, the law of Moses says that we should stone this woman. What do you say? And Jesus writes something on the ground and stands up and he says, let him without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, these men, these religious leaders who wanted to stone her and shame her, put their stone down and they walk away until it's just Jesus and the woman. And we love this story because it helps us understand the massive grace and love and mercy of Jesus. And he says to this woman, is there anyone here to condemn you? She says, no, sir. He says, neither do I condemn you. But then he adds something else. Don't miss this. Now go and leave your life of sin. Friends, if it's been the pattern since the beginning of the world, The pattern is still holding up today and you will miss out on the future God has for you unless you're willing to leave some things behind. So here's a thought provoking question to get you focused in on what it might be for you. What could you never imagine yourself leaving? What could you never imagine yourself leaving? This could be a relationship, a friendship, a job, a habit. A toxic emotion that's been with you forever, it seems like. What could you never imagine yourself leaving? Maybe the thing you could never imagine leaving is giving up control of your life. Anybody else control freak like their pastor? Willing to admit it? You're thinking, no, Ben, if I don't raise my hand, I can control the moment. You You won't know that it's me. And let's be honest, I mean, the promise of doing it God's way, the God who's actually in control of the universe, it seems a little better than your way, but you can't imagine ever letting go of the grip of your own control. Some of you can never imagine leaving your job. It isn't because you love it, but it's super familiar. You love the prestige that comes with it. You love the paycheck that comes with it. It seems like God might have something new in store for you, and you think, oh, that would be amazing to step into, but you just can't pull away from what is. Some of you are right now in a dating relationship or a friendship, and you know it's toxic. You know that it is hindering you from growing into the man or woman that Jesus wants you to be, but you just can't picture that person not in your life in such an intimate relationship. Some of you have a habit or an addiction right now. No one in this room knows about it. Your spouse doesn't know about it. Your best friend doesn't know about it, but you know. You know about it, and you can't imagine walking away from it, even though the promise of freedom is so enticing. It's not quite enticing enough. So how do we get around this idea of walking away from what seems almost impossible to walk away from? Let me tell you what the answer is not. The answer is not to think about the thing that you need to walk away from, just to concentrate there. Here's here's what I think the answer is. You and I must have a compelling vision of what could be if we're ever going to leave what is. I don't have this on the screen because I wrote it this morning. You and I must be willing, we must have a compelling vision for what could be if we're ever going to walk away from what is. And if you think about times where you've had to leave things that were hard and step into something beautiful, it took a compelling vision to get you there, I'm guessing. Anybody love food besides me? Anybody love eating a lot of food? Anybody that doesn't like to regulate how much food they eat? Yep, me too. 
So I couldn't just think, Ben, don't eat so much food. Ben, don't eat so much food. What I had to do is have a compelling vision of my future appearance, my future health, and imagine chasing my grandkids around. It's a compelling vision. When I first got married, I have to be honest, I didn't know I was selfish at all. And marriage revealed that in about, I don't know, 32 seconds or so. I'm like the most selfish person on the planet. Apparently, I really loved making my life about me. I don't know anybody else. I love making my life about me. And to be honest, I I loved it being all about me. But over these last 17 years, next month will be 17 years, God has given me a compelling vision of the kind of marriage I want to have, that I'm nowhere near perfect on this, obviously. Shauna, don't say amen. (laughs) But that compelling vision, that compelling vision has led me to be further towards unselfishness than I used to be. There was a day in time where I knew everyone's name in our church. I love that. I love that. How could I give that up? Because God had given me a compelling vision to reach as many people as possible. That I was willing to lay that down so that we might go after the masses together in this great city. It takes a compelling vision to walk away from what's bound you in your past or what is keeping you held back in your present. And what I want to do, if you have a Bible, is open to Philippians chapter 3. Paul gives us his compelling vision. Paul was a man who lived in the first century. He had a couple of things that could have been massive distractions for his life. He had a past that could have distracted him from his future. And he had this thing, maybe you've heard of it, called pride that could have distracted him from his future. His past was all about he was the guy who was part of the group that wanted to destroy the movement of Jesus in the first century. He wanted to do whatever it took to have people locked up and even dragged off to prison and murdered simply because they were saying that this Jesus is the Messiah and we should follow him. And so he could have been known for his past. He could have been distracted by who he was. But he also had this thing called pride. When it came to being a Jewish man, Paul was a Jew of all Jews. He was born on the right day. He was circumcised on the right day. He was from the right kind of family. And regarding the law, he said he was almost like fully righteous. And what he does in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 7 through 14, is he shares his compelling vision. And you need to know as you hear his compelling vision that if your compelling vision or if the vision of your life is compelling enough to follow Jesus you at one point will get to the place where you no longer care what you have to give up because I'm not focused on what I'm losing. I'm focused in on what I'm gaining. So if you'll stand with me, Philippians chapter 3, 7 through 14, I'm going to give it to you as passionately as I can because I want this for you. And I believe as Paul was transcribing this letter to the church at Philippi, I believe his heart, his mind were just overflowing with passion because he had finally discovered a compelling vision. As you hear this, let me tell you two things you don't need to think as you listen to me. You don't need to go, Ben, you're the pastor. Of course you have a compelling vision. Nope, I have the same distractions that I struggle with like you do. I have some things from my past and my present that if I don't lose them, I'm not going to step into what he has for me. And don't you look at Paul's letter and go, oh, Paul, he's Paul. So he wasn't anything like me. Paul had a terrible past. He was responsible for persecuting Christians. And he had a pedigree, a resume that he could have clung to. And he's just going, I found something better. And it was so compelling that I'm willing to leave whatever I have to. Here's what he says, 7 through 14. So he's just talked about how he could have confidence in his flesh, but he says this, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want 
to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forget what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What a compelling vision. The same can be yours. Have a seat. Paul's compelling vision was knowing Jesus and stepping into whatever Jesus had for him. And he lets us know that it was worth so much that he did not care what he had to lose or what he had to leave. I'm saying it again. The vision for following Jesus and getting in on what Jesus had for Paul was so compelling that he did not care what he had to lose or what he had to leave. Do you have a vision that compelling? And then Paul, he gives us the imagery of an exchange. He talks about what he was losing and what he was gaining. And if you've been tracking with us in this series, you know that it's not just a Paul thing. It's an all of us thing, isn't it? You're making exchanges every day in your life. If you're new to Epic, the classic point we make whenever we're talking about an exchange is that I can't love eating gallons of ice cream and wearing skinny jeans every day. Right? You were always setting down one to have the other. And the same is true when it comes to what you're going to step into and walk away from. You will forfeit one or the other. Every person in this room is forfeiting something. Every person in this room is giving away something so that we might have something else. And Paul says, what I'm going for is Jesus. I think everything else he said is garbage compared to Jesus. He wasn't saying there wasn't significance in his life. He didn't say that he's not proud of the family he was born in. He just says, compared to Jesus and the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, I'm willing to lose anything. It's the idea of an exchange. You see, here's the thing. When the goal of our life is more of Jesus, we will be willing to lose whatever doesn't provide that. I know it's a little weighty. But I think it's true. Friends, let me be honest with you. I shared this with the 9 o'clock crew. Like, you pretending to be a Christian and not following Jesus doesn't hurt anyone but you. You being able to check Christian on a box and make, that, make you feel good about your eternal destiny and your life here on earth, please don't fool yourself. Please don't fool yourself. You're not a Christian because you were raised in church. You're not a Christian because you're in church this morning. You're only a Christian because you have given your trust and faith in Jesus and his spirit is living in you and what you want for your life is more of Jesus. That's what a Christian is. So when the goal of our life is more of Jesus, we will be willing to walk away or we will be willing to lose whatever doesn't provide that. Whatever doesn't provide that. Whatever doesn't provide that. We will be willing to walk away from it. And Paul's just going, I want to know Jesus every way possible. I want to know his resurrection. I want to know his sufferings. I don't want to hold on to my righteousness. It's not enough. I want to receive and be covered in the righteousness of Jesus. I want to know him and it is worth whatever I have to give up. Whatever I have to give up. And then I love this athletic imagery that starts in verse 12. But before we get to that in 12 and 13... Aren't you so glad that when you see verse 12, that Paul doesn't say, I've already arrived. I've already made it. I'm perfect. Get your act together. 
Anybody else encouraged by that? Do you know what he says, essentially? I am not there yet. I haven't arrived at my goal. I haven't figured it out. I've not been made perfect. But let me tell you something. I'm not who I was. At Epic, we talk about the idea of a spiritual journey often. We, we talk about this idea of progress. And so today and every Sunday, we're never going to say to you, here's the step we all need to take. 100% of us take this step today. What we're always saying to you is, here's where you are. What is your next step? And your next step? And your next step? And your next step? Because all you can do is start where you are and take your next step. And I love that Paul says, I'm just taking my next step. I'm just moving forward. I'm, I, I do think you have to understand when you look at your life, we have a leadership value here at Epic that says this direction is greater than today's destination. So how are you trending? Is your spiritual journey right now? Is it a story of progress? Can you look back at six months ago or two years ago and go, God, you know what I still have to figure out and work out in my salvation. You know, the maturity that I need to get around when it comes to my faith journey. But God, you also know that I'm not who I was. Can you look back and see that? That's what Paul's saying. I'm not there yet, but you better believe it. I'm going after it. I'm making progress. I'm journeying on. And I love that. In the athletic imagery that shows up in, at the end of verse 13, Paul says, forgetting what is behind, I'm straining toward what is ahead. It's the idea of a race. How many of you would love to forget what's behind you? Like, Ben, my past was better than yours. I, I'm good. How many of you would just love to be able to forget it? Some things. Any, anything that you wish it wouldn't just keep coming up in your mind and wouldn't keep showing up in your life? Here's what you have to know. You cannot forget what is behind you if it isn't behind you. Some of you, this is the breakthrough word for you today. You cannot forget what is behind you if it's still on you. You can't. And... And you cannot step into what is ahead until you leave something behind. You cannot step into what is ahead until you walk away and leave something behind. And then Paul wraps up this text by saying, I press on toward the goal to win the prize to which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What is that goal? It's the ultimate prize. Of being face-to-face with Jesus. No more struggle. No more journey. Now you're home. Hearing the voice of God over you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Remember, the athletic image he's trying to paint for us. What is the image of verse 14? It's the image of the finish line. You made it. You made it. You're no longer in process. You're completely healed of all of the stuff that held you back. There's nothing between you and God. You are face to face with Jesus and now you know him even as you are fully known. So let me ask you a question. How compelling is your vision of knowing Jesus, following Jesus, and stepping into whatever he has for your life? How compelling is your vision of knowing Jesus, following Jesus, and stepping into whatever he has for your life? Because let me tell you something. As I've pastored this church for the last seven years, and so many of our team and leaders would stand up here and say the same thing. We, we've walked away from so many meetings with you all, heartbroken, because we saw the picture God was painting for your future. You're the one who told us you thought maybe he had this. And then at the end of the day, you go, I just can't let go. 
And if I can just express a pastoral heart for you, I don't want you to keep missing out. I don't want you to keep going, yeah, God's future is probably better, but I can't imagine stepping away from what's so familiar to me. And I don't want you to keep missing out. Because when your vision is compelling enough of who Jesus is and what he has for you, you will not care what you have to walk away from. Some of you right now, you're missing out because you will not walk away. Listen, the God who is painting that picture and giving you a vision of the life you could have with him He's also the God who will take care as you try to break away from whatever you have to break free from. Jim Elliott was a missionary to a tribal people in Ecuador. And he was actually murdered by the people he went to share the gospel of Jesus with. And after he died, he, uh, his journals were found and they were later published. And he is known for this statement that I think is so encompassing of what I've tried to say to you today. What Paul said to us as well. Here's what Elliott says. He is no fool. Who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool, no regrets to give up that which you actually can't hold on to forever to gain that which you will hold on to forever. So friend, doesn't matter your age in this room. It doesn't matter if you're even yet a follower of Jesus. Your future is going to be dictated by whether or not you can walk away from what is holding you back. And you will forfeit one or the other. You will forfeit. This is not like, Ben, that's a truth for you. No, it's just truth. It's just truth. You will walk towards one thing and away from something else. You will get in on one thing and miss out on something else. What is it going to be for you? I want to give you some time just to process. I know this has been a weighty talk, but I'm passionate about you and I getting in on what God has for us. So would you just close your eyes for a moment? Just think about what we've talked about. What could you never imagine yourself walking away from in a million years? What could you be missing out on because of something from your past or present? There are some of you in the room who have yet to place your faith in Jesus, and it's because of everything we've been talking about today. And today you have this opportunity to walk away from a life where you're, you are in control and you have an opportunity to walk towards Jesus. And I'm going to give you the chance to do that. If you're here today and you know that you've never trusted Jesus, you've never given your life to him, you've never trusted him for salvation from your sins, but you want to do that now, you've received this compelling vision, I want to encourage you just to lift your hand so I could pray for you. Just raise your hand. If you're in the room, you're just like, Ben, I'm ready to trust Jesus. Awesome. Great. For you, you can just echo a prayer like this. Jesus, thank you for having a compelling vision to leave heaven, to come to earth, to offer your life for me on the cross. Thank you for paying for my sins. Thank you for this morning extending an invitation to me. I no longer want to miss out on what you have for me. So I'm today just declaring I'm going to follow you. Amen. For those of you who made that decision, we have a resource for you today, just a book we want to give you on your way out. You can go ahead and look at this. It's called What on Earth Am I Here For? And we want to give that to you in the lobby. If you've made a decision, just bring your communication card or just show up and say, hey, I made that decision today. I would love that resource. We want to do that for you. So that was for those of you who haven't placed your faith in Jesus. But so many of us would say genuinely, I think, that we have a relationship with Jesus. 
But you know there is something holding you back. You know there is, and you would love for us to speed through the rest of this service so you can just forget about it. Listen, God brought you here so that you wouldn't forget about it. God brought you here to deliver you. So knowing likely what it is, I want to ask those of you to join me in standing and just say, Ben, I, I do need to be set free from something that's holding me back. There's a habit. There's a relationship. There's a pattern. Would you stand if you're just in that boat like so many of us are? Would you just honestly say, Ben, there's something holding me back. I want to pray for you. I want to ask God to set you free. It doesn't have to be moving forward like it has been lately. And even if you're like, Ben, it's been two decades. It doesn't have to stay there. There's a community around you. There's a Holy Spirit to live inside of you. And you do whatever it takes. But I do think you have to have this compelling vision. Jesus, you're worth it. You're worth walking away from the habit. Even if I leave my job, you're worth it. You're you're worth the toxic emotions that I think have to be normal for me. They do not. So Jesus, I pray for every person standing and those who just don't have the courage yet to stand. I pray that you would set us free from whatever is holding us back. Jesus, thank you that you've done this for me. Thank you that you've given me and would you give all of us a compelling vision that to live is Christ. To gain Jesus, it will be okay to lose all other things. Make this our reality. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask everyone else to stand and join us. Pete's going to lead us in a song about surrender. And again, don't be thinking about, oh, I have to surrender by giving up this other thing. That's true. But think about, I'm surrendering one thing so that I might get what's best. And you know this is true. When there's something compelling in front of you, you're willing to surrender it, right? Right? I mean, guys, you know this. If, if, if that lady shows interest in you, it doesn't matter if you have tickets to the ball game. You'll give that up, won't you? When it comes to what Jesus has for you, I'm not saying it won't require sacrifice. It, it will. It required sacrifice for Jesus. But it will be worth it. So are you at a place where you're ready to surrender? I pray that our lives will match these words we're singing now.